You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome everyone to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host Pierce, alongside my usual co-host uh, Jimmy and Dylan. But we have a special guest today, making a second appearance on the show. Well, third if you count the one that uh, never uh, went up. Um, <laughs> uh, we have Scott Powers of the Athletic. What's going on, Scott? Nothing. How you guys doing? All right, all right. Again, like we were mentioning right before we started, TJIF. So, uh, <laughs> um, so. Uh, before we get into any of the Blackhawks stuff, I just want to ask how you've been doing because I know you had a, a daughter. You and your wife had a, a second daughter, and I just want to uh, ask you how that's been going for you. Yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been different having two kids. A little bit busy, um, you know. I, the, uh, the off season's been pretty busy with the Blackhawks with the, the lawsuits, and obviously they were uh, active in the uh, you know the free agency and trades and you know there's the draft so it was uh, yeah kind of a balance between uh, life and work and uh, and adjusting the two kids but uh, yeah this, the daughter's doing well and yeah the whole family's good so it's uh, I'm, I'm sure this season will be different traveling and uh, you know having two kids at home but uh, yeah it's, it's it's all good how old is she now uh, she's uh, she'll be four four months next week oh nice wow. that's awesome, awesome. <laughs> all right uh let's get into the questions so uh first question i have is uh regarding what happened yesterday so nolan allen their first uh round pick from this year signed his uh elc and i just kind of wanted to ask what do they see out of them because when the draft pick was made um obviously the blackhawks always tend to go off the board and surprise people with their picks then kirby Doc in 2019 and then lucas Reichel in 2020 and they really went off the boards and you kind of look at uh, even uh your co-worker uh cory and and scott wheeler when they were getting the draft they weren't huge fans of nolan allen they, they really didn't see anything more than a third pairing defenseman and obviously you got to uh interview him and i just wondering what that was like and uh did the Blackhawks see him as this like top four defenseman and can they get kind of the puck moving ability out of him because the, everything I've seen from him he's great uh defensively he shuts down played on the rush but uh, the the question is how much offensive upside does he have and I'm just wondering about that and how he fits yeah, in you know, the future yeah yeah no I I did a kind of a deep dive into him this past week and uh you know watched a bunch of video and talked to uh you know talked to him his coaches and you know some scouts too and um I think the consensus is that, you know, that no one thought of him as a first round talent um, that, you know, he's certainly skilled and, you know, from watching the under 18s, he, he played really well for Canada. Um, you know, he was a top pairing guy and he played with, uh, with Brian Clark. So obviously, uh, you know, he played with a really good defenseman as well. Um, and, and, you know, it's a team that Canada put up a lot of points and, and he, you know, he didn't really end up on that score sheet either. So he's playing minutes and, um, you know, his role on that team and this, you know, on his, uh, his WHL team is, is very much a defensive, uh, you know, shutdown defenseman. And um, I, I think it's more about, you know, the Blackhawks say they, they draft the draft, the best player possible. I, I think this was a lot more based on need 
um, when you look at where they've drafted, uh, what what type of defenseman they've drafted in in years past, at least with Boquist and Bodan and Mitchell and Yogi Haru, a bunch of you know guys that would be considered undersized and more skilled. And um, you know this is uh, a team that's really struggled defensively for a while now. And um, so I, I think this was a piece where they look at you know the, um, you know they have Seth Jones and um, you know this was before they signed McKay, but. Uh, you know, they thought of Connor Murphy as a piece that's probably going to be here for a while. So, um, you know, if you're looking how to assemble a team and they're still hoping that Bodan and Mitchell, those type of guys excel um, and, and develop as they hope and you'll become like, you know, long, long, you know, long staying defenseman. Um, I, I think they were looking as uh, Nolan Allen as a guy that they see, you know, two, three years down the line, he's going to step in the lineup and, um, you know, provide that shutdown role. So, um, he, he doesn't have awful puck skills. It, it's just, they're not, you know, he's not the guy that's creating offense, you know, like he's, he's the guy that help you get out of the defensive zone and, um, you know, and, you know, help you get up ice and then, you know, he's going to keep the puck in and he's thinking defense and, um, he's not going to create anything. And I'm sure the Blackhawks, you know, they look at their own recipe for success and they see what Jarmelson did. And, you know, certainly Jarmelson and Odia weren't uh, two offensive guys. I mean, they're guys that played that game. Um, and a big part of what you know, Jarmelson did especially was that he got you out of the defensive zone quickly. And I, I think um, not that Nolan Allen's even, you know, Nicholas Jarmelson, it's, it's pretty, you know, pretty early to create that, that, create that comparison. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think you, you, you see some attributes the Blackhawks like in Nolan Allen that could follow that suit, you know, where they, they, they probably see a guy who can get you out of the defensive zone, get you up ice. And if you have enough talent around him, um, maybe it doesn't matter as much how, how offensive your defensemen are. So, yeah, we'll see, you know, it, it's, um, in obviously the last few years, you know, there haven't been as many games, you know, the, I think the Blackhawks were really encouraged by his play with team Canada and, and how he looked in that, um, you know, you know, we'll, we'll get a taste of him over the next few days in this, uh, you know, this rookie showcase. And then, you know, a little, little look at him in camp and then, you know, he'll, he'll head back to um, Prince Albert and have another year in the WHL. And I imagine, um, you know, either a year or two, you know, his contract will continue to slide, you know, they signed him, but um, it may not be until two years where he actually, um, you know, either plays for the Blackhawks or, or even comes over. So um, this is something they're going to let him develop. And, you know, I, I'm sure it also had a lot to do with this draft where it, it was tougher to gauge um, based on smaller sample sizes. And um, maybe it's just, you know, from, from everything I can tell, the Blackhawks really liked him and they felt like in a 30-second pick that it was worth, um, you know, he was worth taking for what they were looking for over someone else. Yeah, with every draft pick they've made, it seems like, you know, you're kind of like shocked by who they picked, but then you eventually warm up to it. And I feel like I'm doing the same with Nolan, like Kirby Doc and Lucas Ruckley. You're like, oh, th- those are the guys they picked. There were some other guys that they could have gone with. Uh, a lot of like, I guess, like a lot of publications were like, they're going to take them. And then they kind of go again, going back to they kind of go off the board, but it usually it works out for them. And I'm kind of warming up to the Nolan Allen pick and kind of hearing that maybe he could step into a top four role. And you think of someone like Seth Jones and he can kind of roam free offensively while Nolan Allen is thinking defense. And I'm just wondering, you, you brought up the fact that they based, they picked off based off need. And one thing I've always praised the scouting department for is they always swing for skill. And in this draft, it certainly didn't seem like that. And I'm just wondering if uh, what other players do they consider at uh, number 32, if you know, and also kind of to add to that um, before they traded that pick, the number 12 pick to Columbus, what, what players were they considering at that pick as well? Yeah, I, I don't. The Blackhawks are pretty. They keep a lot of things close to the yeah. vest. So I, I don't. I haven't heard specifically who else they're looking at at thirty-two. Um, you know, I know they are looking at Coronado um, uh, with that twelfth pick um, or eleven pick, whatever it was. Um, you know, I, I think they liked. Uh, I think Sillinger. Um, uh, I think Lucius. Um, yeah, there there were a couple of guys there that I think they had. You know, I think they had more of a forward in mind at at that spot. I know. Um, just talking to Chicago, Chicago Steel guys that, you know, just knowing some of that, that I know they were asking about Coronado and they they had seen the Steel a lot this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It just uh, I think I think Noel Allen's a little bit harder to get to wrap your head around just because forwards and skill usually uh, I, I think it's easier to project. And even with Reichel, you know, I, I was someone who may have uh, questioned that pick. But, you know, as I watched him this <laughs> As I, as I watched him this last year and, you know, watched multiple games in Germany, he really took a, you know, a big step forward. And um, I don't know if Lucas Reichel's a star in the NHL, but I think he fits um, what Jeremy Colleton's trying to do. And I, I think he's someone who could, uh, you know, I, I don't know based on what they have in camp, whether he actually gets a legitimate shot to make the team, but I think he has the type of skills 
to do um, to make the team and, and to do what Colleton wants to do on the four check and, you know, being aggressive and having a little bit of size and, um, and, and, and certainly with doc too. I mean, I, I think a lot of us were looking at uh, um, yeah, a handful of different guys at that position, but you know, from the, what the Blackhawks saw late in that season too. And doc was another one. I think they, um, it wasn't a full sample size. I mean, doc was okay that season, but it, he especially played well in the playoffs that, um, that, that year and what they saw from what he was doing, um, you know, they really projected him to be this type of player. So um, I, I think, uh, you know, Blackhawks have hit on most of these first round picks, you know, um, I think for the most part, especially where they've picked that they've done a pretty good job. So um, maybe they get the benefit of doubt, Nolan Allen, and it's going to be a little bit harder to project him because I, I don't, I don't think he becomes any kind of, you know, he, he's not going to become an offensive wizard in any way. So, you know, it, it's the Blackhawks hope is that he continues to be this defensive type player and then create some more puck skills. So I, I don't know if anyone is ever going to laud the Blackhawks for, for making this pick, but he, um, if, if he becomes what they hope he becomes, I, I think he could fit around other players they have in the system and be, uh, you know, be a, a suitable NHL defenseman. And I don't even know if it's top four or not. Honestly, I, I, I think it's uh, if he's if he fits that role and, and you have the other good defensemen around him, I think um, top four, top six, you know, I don't know. I, I think all that stuff doesn't matter as much, you know. Oh, yeah, especially with defensemen. At the end of the day, it all comes down to chemistry with your partner, I feel like. And who knows? No one Allen could have great chemistry with someone once he comes up to the NHL and that Mitchell. changes the whole trajectory. Exactly. So, and I feel like with Allen too, he's going to get like a proper development as a defenseman. I feel like a lot of the younger defense in the Blackhawks have had over the last few years, they've kind of rushed yeah. up into the, in the majors. Like I know they didn't want to send Boquist up when they did. And uh, Yoki Haru, you got sent up really early, but I feel like Nolan Allen's going to get like, like you said, he's going to have junior next year. He'll probably have a year in the A, maybe two years in the A and yeah, then he comes sure. up. And I feel like that's exactly what a player like him needs, especially to get adjusted to game speed and whatnot. For yeah, sure. no, I, I agree with that. You know, um, I think with, uh, I think Boquist was certainly rushed. I think Boquist was surprised when he came up. Uh, Yoki Haru, like it all depends on what you have around them too, right? Like Yoki, Yoki Haru didn't feel as rushed because you had him playing with Duncan Keith. And at that point, you know, Keith hadn't really taken that, you know, massive slide. I, I think if you support a guy correctly, I thought Brandon Saad's a great example, obviously not a defenseman, but you put up Saad with Hose and Taves, like that worked out really well. You know, you, you put them in a situation to succeed. And, and I think that's what the Blackhawks were trying to do. Even now they're saying, you know, I, I think, I don't think how many, how many of us believe that the rebuild is, you know, still on, but <laughs> I, I think what the Blackhawks are trying to sell is that they're, um, they're bringing in more veterans, more suitable, you know, legitimate NHL players to play alongside these guys and give them a chance. And, you know, even bringing in Jan Mark and Soderberg last year, some of that was that too, you know, so that wasn't just, um, you know, exposing some of these guys in NHL and, um, you know, and even the last year, I, I think the Blackhawks knew that Duncan Keith's best days are well behind him. But, you know, to play him 25 minutes, um, it was still better than playing, you know, Mitchell or someone 20 minutes where they would they were just got eaten up, you know. And, and, I, and I think there is kind of a negative, you know, like there's so there's a there's a point where it becomes negative returns when a guy's getting on the ice for, you know, minus four, minus five. I mean, that's not going to, um, you know, not do anyone well. So I, I get why the Blackhawks, uh, you know, even though Duncan Keith probably cost them some games last year, why they put them on the ice as much as they did, just because um, it's not worth putting Kalanick or any of these guys in that situation where they're just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I feel like it's going to be nice this year to have three defensemen, I think, that you could – or honestly, four if Dehan's healthy, that you can throw out in situations that could probably play 18 to 20 a night. You got Jones, you got Murphy, you got McCabe, and you got Dehan. I feel like those are four suitable defensemen. And that way you don't have to, you know, rush a guy like Kalanuk or um, rush a guy like Bodan. Bodan can kind of ease his way into the lineup and whatnot. Yeah. I, I'm excited to watch the back end for sure. I personally had a question about – kind of the forward core for a second you were talking about kind of bringing in like veteran presence and whatnot and it just seems like we have a giant log jam in the bottom six there's there's a ton of names in there you could you you can go from Tyler Johnson to Dylan Strom to Henrik Borkstrom I mean Lucas Reichel might even get a crack at camp who knows um do you do you have any like did you have any idea of maybe how those lines could shake up or um I guess maybe who gets who stays up and who maybe gets sent down to start the season because I, I want to say they have like 15 forwards on their roster right now. It's pretty high. So, yeah, I, I think they wanted to create that in some way. They wanted more competition. They, I, I think in the past and even a couple of years ago where, uh, you know, when Nylander 
wasn't playing well or you had guys injured that you just didn't have that type of depth that you can go to. And, um, you know, when we were talking about like, you know, when Nylander went out, whether it's Dylan Secure or, or, or John Quinville, it wasn't, they're just guys that were, you know, that weren't going to step in and be a top line player. Um, and not necessarily any of these guys are top six guys, but I think they have a bunch of guys who could step in that role and, um, you know, guys that can push each other and, um, some of it's gonna, you know, like a guy like Kershev, I, I'm curious if he gets bumped out because, uh, there aren't many guys that, that don't, re, you know, that, that, that have, they, I guess are waiver exempt still. Um, so, you know, a guy like Kershev, maybe he's, he's the odd man out just because of that. Um, it, it'd kind of be a disappointment, you know, I think for him and a lot of fans considering that, you know, Kershev was one of the guys that, you know, was given such a chance last year and earned that opportunity. And, um, I think, the fewer of those guys that played this year, it's like what was last season four when you you know you're giving minutes to Suter and and some of those get Boquist and and I get that Boquist was you know part of the Jones trade, but a lot of last season was about playing those guys and giving them an opportunity so that they're ready and um, so yeah, it'll be curious. I, I I'm certainly interested too. I think the bottom six, uh, you know, from I I, I think. I think Tyler Johnson, based on his faceoff ability, is one of those bottom six centers. I mean, if they get rid of Camp, I think part of that was, uh, you know, they knew that Tyler Johnson was coming in. Um, I, I think, um, you know, just because I, I don't know what you have, you know, with, with, with Doc, there's faceoff questions and, and Strom struggled. And um, I, I don't know what Borgstrom, you know, but, you know, I, I think Borgstrom gets a, a legitimate look. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I think Hagel's, you know, in that mix. Uh, you know, I, I, I assume Conley's probably not, but you know, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, guys like Nylander and, um, you know, even, um, you know, other guys that they brought in this, uh, this off season, you know, the guys that they sort of saw as more, of, you know, Jujar who they thought, you know, in more of a, uh, a bottom six role. And, um, you know, he probably bops, bumps out a guy like Hardman, who I thought was decent in that role last year, but he probably starts the year off in Rockford. So, uh, you know, Carpenter and yeah, th- there's an assortment of guys there and, and, and you can probably go some different ways with, if you wanted to load up on skill and have a Gaudet and a Strom and a Borgstrom, like that's, um, you know, like that could be a really interesting line. Um, and, and then, you know, like maybe Hagel falls into more of a, um, and even this way, I, I think the Blackhawks may not be thinking of it unless they're you know, the fact they traded camp, like, I wonder if they're reconsidering what their fourth line looks like. I, I'm sure Carpenter's on there, but um, maybe it is someone more skilled or, or, or they sort of reinvent that a little bit too. But I, I think there are a lot of options. You know, I, I, at this point, I, I haven't really got a, you know, from what I heard, the Blackhawks are kind of playing around with things. And they, they do like the idea of having all this depth and having this competition. Um, you know, I think two years ago when we looked at it, we're saying, you know, Nylander is going to be on the ice regardless because that was a chance. And I, I think Nylander and those type of guys have to prove it more. I, I think I think Gaudet, um, you know, like I, I think the Blackhawks think Gaudet and Strom have some similar capabilities and maybe there's some competition there. Certainly nothing has been promised to Strom based on, um, you know, the, the way that they, you know, kind of utilize them or don't, you know, get them off the ice uh, at the end of last season. So uh, I, I think it'll be really interesting. I think the, there are a lot of, I think every year we go into camp saying, oh, there's all these roster competitions and it really isn't. And I think this year there's legitimately, um, I think that bottom six is really interesting. I think the, uh, the bottom of the defense with, um, you know, Bodan and Mitchell and Kelnick and, um, you know, uh, Caleb Jones, I, I think there's some interesting battles there. And then um, I think, you know, Fleury and Lincoln are the one, two. Um, I doubt the Blackhawks want to have to put Subban and Delia both through waivers. So I don't, I don't think they want to keep one of those guys up, but maybe they try to trade someone, you know, depending on how other teams look, but um, yeah, there, there, there's some interesting things that could really happen in this camp. And I, I think there's definitely a, more of an excitement. Um, you know, I think the, the level of play is, is raised and on the paper, they're better. And, and there is some competition. So there are some guys that really have to earn their play and these preseason games will be you know vital to that. I'm oh, sorry. I'm thinking of like this is all I could think about. Like talking about David Camp, I think of that scene from Moneyball. It's like you keep playing this guy. I'm gonna trade this player, and that's. I feel like that's what Stamble was to Dream Recalton. But that's <laughs> that's the only thing that was going through my head. During I, mean, that. I, I think yeah. I, I I I I know fans are kind of hit or miss on Camp, but or mostly mostly miss. But um, <laughs> I I, th- I think he's on the right team. I, I think on Toronto, he may be exactly what they need. You know, you put Camp on a team uh, that has enough talent. Um, you know, some of the underlying numbers for camps are really interesting how that he uh, was able to create off the rush and, and some, you know, obviously the fact is faceoffs are better and he can help you on the PK. Like um, the Blackhawks leaned on camp more than they 
probably wanted to last year with Taves being out, and they really had no one else that could win faceoffs consistently, especially after Soderberg was gone. Um, I think Cam on the right team is still a suitable player, and you know he's someone that can help you. Uh, with the Blackhawks, it it didn't make as much sense. Uh, maybe maybe it does now. You know the fact that they're a little bit deeper. I. I I think of all their moves, obviously there were, there's some, you know, Flurry is probably the most surprising uh, addition, knowing that they're probably going to try to get Dougie Hamilton or, or Seth Jones, but um, you know, camp leaving is probably the other big surprise, you know, like considering what the Blackhawks thought of him, you know, he, his role wasn't going to be any bigger, but he, he seemed like that someone that was going to be with the Blackhawks uh, for a long time. So I, I think it definitely surprised me. I, I'm curious that if he does have success for Toronto, I think that there's a, I think there's a possibility there for him to kind of help them in that role. Yeah, we should ask our resident uh, Leafs fan about that. David Camp going to Toronto. <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh man! Oh, sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, I so kind of. I guess we could maybe segment into the biggest move this offseason, which was the Seth Jones trade. Um, I, I think Pierce wanted to ask this question. I'm gonna let him say. It. What? Why? Why? Why Seth Jones? Why did they go <laughs> after them? Why did they trade everything for him? Why? How come they couldn't wait a year? Why Seth Jones? Why not Dougie Hamilton? Why not any other defenseman? If you gave up that much for him, why do they see in Seth Jones? Because boy, not only the analytics, but watching him last year, we got to see him a lot last year. He just did not look good. And granted, I I know, um, I know that uh, like I've been saying this kind of the last like I feel a couple months now where. I feel like we got to be a little more lenient on players just because of all the circumstances in that season, just like not being able to see families and just like facing the same team, like just being isolated kind of. And I can understand him having a rough year, but he really hasn't been this number one defenseman for a few years now. And I'm just wondering, are the Blackhawks banking on him being that again? Like what, what do they see him? I'm just, yeah, it's no, such, I, 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 yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think number one, I, I, obviously they're banking on him being that. I mean, they wouldn't have traded for him for what they did, and then signed him for what they did. Like they, they expect him to be that number one defenseman for now and for many years. Um, I, I share that questions, you know, like I share those questions, and that uh, the analytics weren't great, and they haven't been great, and certainly, um, you know, the way that he defends off the rush. And I, I think talking to scouts, that's the biggest thing, you know, I, th- I think within the defensive zone, they don't see as many issues, but it's defending off the rush. And, um, you know, that was an area the Blackhawks struggled in last year. And I, and I, I think Seth Jones numbers from what I was, I was just looking at either this morning or yesterday was, uh, you know, his numbers were pretty similar. Duncan Keats kind of allowing um, rushes in and chances again. So, um, you know, being susceptible to that, I think there's a concern, um, maybe you put him with the right guy, you know, but it, it, it's it, when you hire, when you sign a number one defenseman and give it what you did and then sign him to extension, you're certainly expecting, expecting not to have to cover up his weaknesses. And, you know, from uh, the, the reason that I had been told that they didn't want to pursue Dougie Hamilton was um, they felt that he was being supported more by his, his partners than, than anyone. And, and which is, um, which is strange. Cause I, I think Jones, there, there's some of that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, um, yeah, I, I, you know, like I, I'm curious. I, I, you know, I think, I, I think there's a lot of pessimism around this, this trade and it's, um, it's either going to, the black are going to surprise some people or it's going to be pretty bad for a long time, you know, like if he's not, um, so yeah, I don't, I, I, um, you know, it's, I, I, I certainly Brian Hedry, someone I know really well who covers the the blue jackets and, you know, he's not as much of an analytics as I am. And he says by sight, you know, just, um, he still thinks that Jones is an elite defenseman and, and, you know, that, that he felt like there were circumstances that, um, you know, that, that maybe why Jones had that season last year that he just, um, so he felt like he could bounce back. Um, you know, the analytics community is a little bit uh, less optimistic about him. Um, <laughs> the analytics community is a bit more relentless too. Oh my uh, God. What was it? I'm not a huge fan of the train either, but did like, you see, I saw it. I just the Mark Lazarus picture, and it's like, oh, here's the number one D, and then Dom Lachizan right underneath it. It's like I don't see any, I don't see any of that or whatever. Oh, yeah, man. it's they're relentless with this trade, and I was too. I was very frustrated at the idea. Oh, we of all it. were. Yeah, yeah, but at some point you just have to let up on it, accept it. Just, it. Nothing's going to change. Just cheer for him. Kind of, it's kind of sad the amount of time people are putting into it. 
just still yeah like I, I guess the thing is like it, it's you know like if, if it works out the blackhawks would look like geniuses you know like I, I think their point is that there's not often that a player um who was potentially number one defenseman is available at this point in their career. So to get him at this, this age, um, they, they feel like, you know, they certainly project him differently than the analyst community. So um, if he can be what they think he can be that, you know, he, he's still, you know, late twenties and someone who's got a lot of good hockey left in him. Um, I, I guess the, the challenge is that one, I don't think they could have, I, I think we're, he would have been traded somewhere and he would have whoever, he was acquired by this year. There would have been an incentive to, to sign that long-term extension. That's just how hockey players are. They want that security. So I, I don't know if there was an opportunity probably to sign Jones next year. Um, I mean, the, the trade-off is that with Hamilton, you you could have signed him and, and paid him whatever and then kept all those assets. And I think that's the, the main point of a lot of people saying that why not go over Hamilton? Was there really that much of a difference in, yes. um, and, and not having to give up Boquist and, and and two other first round picks and, and everything you did like you just you, you trade it off and if it works it works but if not like it just it made less sense exactly. not to go over Hamilton whether there was a big enough difference between the two and and to keep hold of Boquist um, and those draft picks and, and I think that's oh, yeah. you know like it just it's um, you know, if Jones works out, then you obviously have your number one defenseman for a long time. But if it's not, you've given up a lot of assets that are that that should help you in the future. And at some point, the, the salary caps are going to become a hurdle for the Blackhawks again. And, it and you, can see, <laughs> like, you can see where it's yeah. coming with, uh, you know, Blackhawks may have to make a really tough decision on Taves and Kane, you know, and, um, you know, where are those guys oh, willing to take pay cuts or do the, the Blackhawks want them back? And if not, how it, what sort of, what sort of conversation they have? Cause I think the Brinkett, um, I think the Brinkett is becoming a more overall player and, and someone oh, that yeah. I think, you know, yeah. I've already heard that they're going to pencil in at nine and a half and, and who knows, it could be, it could be more than that. Thank you, know? you for like, the existential crisis that I'm having. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, like, if, if, yeah, you trade it, you trade a book with, so you don't have to work worry about that contract, but you do have docs and, um, I, I think Kubalik, I, I'm not sold on Kubalik signing with the Blackhawks again or them not having the mood of him. You know, like if he puts up 30 goals, I mean, does he go up to six, seven million dollars? Like, yeah, um, I, I think some of that, you know, look at you look at guys' ages and Kubalik's kind of want to get paid. And um, I, I think the Blackhawks, you know, when you have Seth Jones as your number one, like he's got to be your number one because you just paid him so much money. You know, the Brinkett's, uh, you know, I think paying the Brinkett's whatever he wants is is worth the money because he's not only goal scorer now he's become that player. Um, but uh, it's also a challenge where you can't spend you know ten million dollars on five different guys. So it's uh, you, you got to pick and choose who those guys are. And I, I think the Blackhawks have made some good contracts. I think Hagel's contract was really positive. Fantastic. I think I think Murphy's can't, contract uh, was disagree. good. Um, I, I think even even signing, you know, like obviously Entwistle and Hardman, these guys aren't, uh, you know, big deals, but, uh, you know, signing them the long, you know, not long term extensions, but, you know, the bridge contracts at like 800,000, because I mean, players do love that security. So you, you sign a couple of guys that are pretty cheap that you project to maybe be NHLers next year or something like that. I, I think I think they're really mindful of getting contracts right, and I, I think um, you know I, I think Kyle uh, Kyle Davidson, and then you know even hi- them hiring uh, Dominic Zrim from um, from Cap Friendly. I think there's a lot of thought in what what contracts, um, you know, what what prices they have people, and um, and I'm sure they put a lot of thought in the Seth Jones thing. But there's also like what what gets this done, and if you're gonna make that trade. Um, you probably have an idea what it's going to take to extend them because you're not just going to trade all those assets and then not resign them, you know, like, so it was, it was one thing had to follow the other. So um, I, I get why they did Seth Jones contract. That is just, it, it, there is risk, you know, like it's, it's a guy who didn't look like a number one defenseman next year. And then, um, you know, you, you add them for eight more years. So we'll, we'll see, you know, and Blackhawks could look really good about for this. And Seth Jones could be the reason why they have a lot of success or, or this could be a real issue for them uh, in this, you know, for a long term. So, yeah, I think, uh, um, and then I think the other thing is the goalies are really interesting too. I think, uh, you know, I, I was talking to someone just uh, today too about you know them having four UFAs going into next season. That I, I think they're this is uh, this is one of their best shots to have a really good goalie tandem. Where you know you, you obviously fell into Flurry um, and Lincoln, and you know as good as he was, and you know he probably has you know more of a split role and. Um, you know, they're not spending, um, yeah, I mean, it's a decent amount with Fleury's contract, but, um, 
I, I think next year there's some challenge too of, you know, whether you resign Lincoln or what you do to secure the net and whether Lincoln is a legitimate number one too. So um, I, I think uh, I, I'm paper and if everything works out, you know, Taves is right and Doc takes that step and, you know, you get something out of Goddard and Nylander and Seth Jones is number one. Um, I, I think this team has a real shot to do something, you know, and I think this may be the best chance uh, for the Blackhawks to have success before Canyon Taves contracts up, because I think there are challenges to coming back and having a, a team like that next year. They have some cap opening up next year, but you also have some tough decisions too. And um, so, yeah, I, I think on paper, I mean, this team has a real chance and I think there should be some excitement, you know, and um, you certainly need Seth Jones to be that guy you traded for. So a lot of it does hinge on that. So it, it'll, it'll be fun and interesting. I think for, um, you know, for, for us media, so you guys as fans and, you know, all together, it should be an interesting season. Definitely. Sure. Like um, the, the truth hurts, but like, we also got to be, cause you're like, it's, it sucks hearing all that stuff, but at the same time, like, uh, like thinking about the future, but at the same time, like looking at right now, everything's like, everything's done. Like the off season is done now. All we got to do is wait, like watch the team now and see what happens. And like go kind of going back to Seth Jones, like yeah, you can make fun of the trade, make fun of him, or whatever. But I'm I'm cheering for him, and he seems like a nice guy. Uh, his mom's uh, views aside, but uh, um, his mom's fucking psycho. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll leave it. I'm we'll leave it. Gonna, at I'm that. not. I'm yeah. not going to get into it. But that's yeah. just that. Um, but uh, yeah. I, I will say one thing about yeah. Seth Jones. I think people forget that he's 26 still. I think people think he's like 29. Like we're not signing another. I Seabrook felt contract. like he was 29. We have him until he's thirty. He's been around for a while. Twenty-six to thirty-five. That's probably the yeah. most prime window you can have a defenseman. For that's a actually a really contract. yeah. If it's because we if all worry Jones, early. but if he plays well, that's actually I would think it's like the perfect time to end a contract like that, wouldn't you think? Like yeah. Two-way defenseman. You know, thirty-five is probably the last time you'll get anything out of them solid. Yeah, like you, you need him to be like you need him right now in this. Like if they win a cup in the next couple of years, like no, no one's you know, no one's going to which they so will. No one's going <laughs> to care. Scott Powers Seth, is telling us, guys. No, no one's going to care it. what Seth Jones is at thirty four. If he's the reason that you're you're competitive for the next four or five years, no um, I, I think yeah, I, yeah. I think you care less about what 33, 34, 35 look like. But for, for what if they're you paying win a cup in the next two years with Seth Jones leading the way, you won. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I think so to too. Do. Like, if he, if he's the legitimate number one, and and he's the reason you're successful, then, um, yeah, I, I think everyone, crow. Yeah, I think everyone. Like, what more could you ask yeah. for? Yeah. yeah, I think that's, um, I, I think that's the key. Is that I, I think if they can find a way to win, uh, especially while Cannon Taves are there, I, I think that's a lot about legacy. I think that's, um, with that, you know, obviously the core is sh- shrunk pretty, pretty drastically now but i i I think as much success you have under what those guys still there i think that's that's massive and um if seth jones can be the number one defenseman they kind of lead you into the post cannon taves maybe for a bit um he doesn't have to be great for all those years and the cap will go up again at some point he just he needs to be great for a little bit here you know like there has to be a stretch the next three or four years with seth jones looks like deserving of that role or you know like it's it's um it's only this year. Like, I think they're, you know, like he's, I'm, I'm sure that he's heard people question him. I'm sure he's put a lot of work in this year. There's a lot of eyes on him going into the season to be, um, you know, they just traded Duncan Keith for him. You know, like I, I know that Duncan Keith wasn't that same player, um, but you know, like they've replaced their trading him. roles essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're stepping in these massive, uh, massive shoes and, um, and, and expected to be this person. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of hype around you. The Blackhawks have certainly put a lot of faith into you. So, um, yeah, I'm going this as an open mind. I, I, I think I've seen and understood enough about Seth Jones to know um, what's made him an elite player in the past where he struggled last year. And, um, you know, we'll see what this offseason has done. And at 26, like, I don't think it's, uh, you know, players don't necessarily just fall off a cliff at that point. Like there, there's, exactly. you know, like there's players certainly that it, it can happen to, but um, there's no reason why Seth Jones can't have a bounce back season and, and kind of be on the right track again for, for at least, you know, a handful of years. So um, I, I think, yeah, I, I just think it brings a lot of intrigue to the season and, and certainly we will be judging this trade for many years and each year I'm sure we'll be having the same conversation, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the Blackhawks, I, I guess the other at the end of the day too, is they went out and got a number one defenseman or someone who they perceive to be a number one defenseman. And, and I think they've at least addressed, um, you know, we can question whether they properly addressed and we'll know more, but they did address their greatest, you know, greatest issue. And, and now we'll see whether it works. And I, I think, you know, 
them, you know, bringing McCabe and, and signing Connor Murphy at his price. And, um, you know, if, uh, you know, if DeHaan's healthy and, and DeHaan's good. And I think Kalanick, um, I, I think Kalanick can be a Gustafson type of defenseman, you know, if you play him in a third role and maybe shelter yeah, him a little bit. Yeah, that's a good thing, but that's, hopefully he can play yeah, but I, a I mean, little if, bit if of Gustafson, If Gustafson had good defensemen around him, like, he, he could be a helpful player, you know, like, he, yeah. I, he, his Kalanick chemistry... also doesn't seem to have that, like, mental, like, Gustafson seemed like a guy, and you would know more about this, of course, but he seemed to kind of lose his confidence at times. He would just kind of lose like it was almost like he wasn't thinking at times yeah, I, I, I hadn't seen it with no, many other players like that <laughs> no then there's guys that you know their confidence gets shaken pretty quickly and um you know gustafson was lost at times you know like that that was an issue like they just um i, I think as much of this offensive upside he had um he just he got lost in defense's zone, or he just you know i'm sure that you know the struggles led to his uh you know, kind of his you know, his confidence being shaken. But I, I think Kalanick, you know, there were times last year he made plays the Kane, and I think that's the key is if you can find a defenseman who can hook up with Kane, that you can create a whole lot in the offensive zone. I mean, that was <laughs> Gustafson made. Uh, you know, Gustafson had whatever 60 points that one year because because largely because of what he was able to do with Kane. So, um, yeah, you know, he Kal- Kane had a connection. If Kalanick can figure that out and you shelter him a little bit, because I do kind of question some of his, his defensive ability. I mean, he, he's not a bad skater, but there there's some issues there on the rush and in the zone. Um, and, yeah, overall, they're just they're a stronger, deeper defense. And um, you need you need Seth Jones to eat minutes. But I think you have more of a balance than you've seen in, in, in years past. And um, and, you, and you got some guys that, you know, Mitchell, like we'll see what happens, Bodan and Mitchell and Kalanick and, um, you know, I, I Stillman think too. Like, yeah, I mean, I yeah, certainly, he, I think Stillman's yeah, in yeah. the mix, and and then you have some guys like Isaac Phillips and guys, you know, El Cragula that they have some, um, you know, like some Cregula decent hopes for. So, so, yeah, I don't, I, I, I think defensively they they've taken a lot of steps, and 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 it just it's a lot of the focus is on Seth Jones and what he is. But I think overall the group's a lot better than it has been for for at least you know at least four or five years. Maybe the defensive whisper in New York will help out Eric Gustafson. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, um, I just had a question real quick about Taves because I know every all the articles are coming out that says he's going to be ready to go night one, like ready to go. But there's still part of me that's like, you you can't sit out a whole year and expect him to just be elite right out the shoot. Do you think there's going to be some form of maybe like load management with Taves this year? Because I know there were times where he's like he was talking about where at the end of uh, the 2020 season there were just times where he couldn't didn't feel like he could play. So I wonder if maybe he doesn't play all 82 next year and they maybe play him like 65, 70 games and give him a night off every now and then. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, load management usually, at least in hockey, they usually don't do as, with the games as much as they try to do with ice time. Um, you know, just you, you lose, you know, not having Taves, especially those face-offs and some of those things. Like you just, you don't have a lot of those guys in your lineup. So um, I think the key is trying to find areas where you don't have to put them on the ice, you know, like if, um, and, and some of it does come down to whether other guys can win faceoffs, but um, you know, if, if you can take him off of the power play and, you know, we've seen t- Taves off the power play a- at times, um, you know, I think the PK is so important because he is so good to, you know, on, on the faceoff. But if, if uh, you know, if someone steps up in that area, then, then, um, but five on five. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think he's necessarily, you know, I think they'd like to give Doc more time. And and if you have more dip balance throughout the lineup, you know, if Borgstrom's legit and, um, you know, like you, if you have other lines you support and, and you can put out there more often, I think you can um, you can minimize his minutes a little bit. And um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's 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 a it's a large assumption to think that he's going to come back and be the same player like he may never be the same player like for it's it's a lot to, to be off the ice for a year. It's also a lot to be off the ice at his age. You know, like there's guys who, uh, who certainly do fall off a cliff at, at that age, you know, like it's, it gets harder to be a elite player when you get into your thirties and, you know, Taves is a bit of a, a freak of an athlete, but um, you know, from what it sounds like it, he's gone through a lot, uh, you know, physically um, over the last year. And so we can see, you know, we'll see where his body bounces back to and, um, you know, just, and you throw in the age factor too. And, um, you know, being off the ice and, and maybe some of those, maybe there's some positives in that too. Like his body is fully rested and it's all good to go. And, you know, he's been on the ice for a while now too. So I'm sure stamina and those are the type of things that they've really tried to address. Um, I, you know, like the preseason games and, you know, just getting the feel back to me. One part too, is just, I think the, the game speed and all those type of things are you step away from, from a year, like it's going to take you a minute to kind of adjust to it. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I honestly don't know what Taves is going to look like, you know, like, I mean, everything I heard that he's looked good, but uh, I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, skates and scrimmages and, uh, and those type of things, you know, it, you put a real game out there, who knows, but um, I, uh, yeah, I, I think with Taves too, you're going to fall back on a lot of those little things. You want him to win face-offs. You want to, you want him to be the, the voice in the room. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of those intangibles work with Taves too. And, um, you know, I, I think you put him around the right, around the right players too, you know, with Kubalik or whomever, yeah. like, you know, there's a chance that he could play with Kane. And um, so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think the Blackhawks are deeper, like the, the, you know, forward wise too. I think they're definitely question marks. Like you need Doc to take that next step. Um, you, you need Borgstrom mm-hmm. and, and Goddard and Strom and all those guys to be legit. But uh, I think, again, on paper, if everything works out, the Blackhawks are a deeper team. And, and maybe, maybe Taves doesn't have to carry as much because I, I think, um, you know, a couple of years ago when he was on the ice, the Blackhawks weren't as deep and they needed Taves um, probably too much, you know. And, and I think that's been the case with a lot of players with Keith, Kane, you know, Taves, all these guys. They, they've just wanted too much, needed too much. And it, it gets harder um, at their age and then they just you know like it's just it's uh, it becomes a little bit unrealistic so I um, yeah I think that's you know that's another huge storyline too I mean there, there's so many different storylines that are so huge <laughs> with these teams but it, it's going to be an interesting training camp for one because I think we all want to see how these guys look and you know what what Taves look like what does he have to say um, you know then, then those preseason games you, you'll get a taste of you know what what those, what those guys look like and then um, and then it's just it's 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 a season's gonna be a grind, you know. I mean, it's been a couple of years where we've had this schedule, um, you know, back to normal and um, you know playing all the teams and and all these type of things. So it, it, you know, it's it's eighty two game season's gonna be a grind oh, for these guys. Too. And yeah, Olympics, Olympics too. too. And, um, so you know, and uh, you know, Taves. I, I think Taves is probably motivated. Like this is the first time probably in his career that he's being questioned whether he, he can be on Team Canada. And I'm sure if they're picking the teams right now that. Caves isn't on Team Canada, so I'm sure that's motivation too to you know for him to prove that he can uh, you know be on that team. So um, yeah, I, again, it just it's uh, I, I know from my standpoint, I'm excited to write about a lot of these different things, and there's going to be plenty to write about, and it'll be so nice much. not to be writing about sexual assault cases, and mm. um, you know, just uh, obviously that's something that's <sighs> it's really important. It's just um, uh, and it's something that's going to, you know, continue throughout the season, but it'll be nice to talk about some hockey yeah. again too. It's just a heavy topic. And it's in the only thing that you guys could yeah. cover for the last couple months. I can only imagine how that's been. Uh, also, we'd just like to say thank you for putting the yes, time in and you. getting the interviews and the articles on this case. Cause we're all there. Yes. We're all, yes. we've all been kind of just up in arms about this whole case for the whole summer, just in terms of, how would you let something like this slide for a decade and whatnot? Yeah, so I'm glad, I'm glad that the information, I'm glad everyone's covering it. And I appreciate the work you've done on that. No, I appreciate it. No, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's obviously, it, it's something that's, it's vital. And it's, I, I think the biggest story in hockey and, um, and, and uh, yeah, it, no, it's, it's not fun to cover. I mean, this is not, I, I, I didn't become Heavy a sports reporter to become a sports recorder to cover these type of things, you know, like I, no. um, yeah. but uh, it, it's part of it. And it's just, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I think a resolution one way or the other, it'll um, I, I think that's what everyone's kind of looking for. You know, I, I, I don't even know if the civil suitcase, like there's a chance the civil suitcases get dismissed. Um, but at the point, you know, re- regardless of the outcome of those cases, the Blackhawks are going to have to answer some tough questions about what they knew and, um, you know, just uh, ethically what they should have done. And, um, you know, I, I think they're uh, I, I think over the coming months, you know, whether it's the independent report, uh, I think Miami, Ohio is going to have their independent report come out that, you know, maybe includes something from the Blackhawks is he, you know, he went to the Blackhawks. Um, he went to Miami high after the Blackhawks. And so, yeah, I think there's a bunch of different kind of stones that are going to still be turned here in the, in the coming months. So there's going to be a lot of bunch of reporting that's going to be done on that. And I, I think Laz and I are both going to, uh, you know, we're both on the same page where that stuff's really important and you keep it up. But I, I think it'll be also nice to, to kind of have some hockey and some other things to kind of balance that with. And, um, Certainly, I think fans are a lot more interested in that stuff, at least, yeah, uh, in, in, a, in a different sure. way. So, yeah, apparently, Kane was asked about that too at the uh, the media thing. Like, he didn't know about it, and he feel he sympathizes for the person, the John Doe, which, but we won't go, we won't get into yeah. that. So, yeah, but on the on a brighter note, though, it's got to be exciting that they're going to open the locker rooms back up because you're going to have so many personalities in that locker room now. You're going to have Taves back, you got Flurry, you got. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'd imagine Seth Jones is going to be taking interviews more than most people. Like, there's going to yeah, be a lot no. of new faces in that locker room. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, you know, like whatever we have today, like I'm grateful for them, but I'm also guarding myself for anything that can happen in the coming <laughs> months and as we all get back inside and where this, uh, the numbers go again too. So yeah, I am, uh, I'm certainly excited about training camp and having the rooms open and, and things will be a little bit different wearing masks and those type of things. But yeah, just any kind of normalcy, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sick of zooms and, uh, you know, like <laughs> as just, we're doing one right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is one thing. It's another thing when you're on the zoom with 20 other reporters and yeah. Yeah. There's, no, uh, there's no personal interaction with this and trying to get something unique. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm definitely excited to get back in the room and, uh, yeah, you know, talk to someone face to face and, and have a conversation and, and try to do some more unique, unique stories. I think that's, uh, it's been a challenge this past year too, is just trying to write unique stuff and doing something different than other reporters. And, um, so yeah, I, I look forward to, I think Laz and I are both excited to kind of try to, uh, try to, yeah, try to be a little bit more creative on the beat this season. Have you got to talk to Marc-Andre Fleury yet? Uh, just on the zoom. So I don't want to, I think he was uh, Laz went to the media thing today. Um, so I, I think he had a chance to talk to the flurry today. I haven't yet one-on-one, but yeah, yeah, I, I, it sounds like he's a delight to talk to. And, um, yeah, I think the Blackhawks have a lot of interesting characters and guys that are pretty personable. So, um, it'll be, uh, yeah, it's weird. I mean, there were guys that I, interviewed and covered guys like this door off that i'll probably never meet face to face you know like they just they came and, yeah. and went so it'll uh it'll be nice to get back into some normalcy and, and talk to people face to face again yeah definitely Hello. got some good mics in that locker room yeah. like tyler johnson's a good uh, interview i know that from yeah, when i lived in tampa right. so yeah no, be, no i'm looking forward to that yeah they're yeah it definitely makes our job easier too when the people are a little bit more uh, talkative <laughs> yeah, uh, like getting, Duncan Keith, no more Duncan nice, Keith. <laughs> nice guy who plays a full 60 type oh, responses yeah <laughs> oh man i'm so excited for flair i think he's gonna have a great year i think he's gonna go to the olympics with canada and just like he's such a great person like he always has a smile on his face just seeing him in his his new gear and like with the big smile on his face that like that brought like the biggest smile to my face and and the best part was when uh, i think he was interviewing elliot freeman and like the inside of his jacket has pictures of his children and i'm like this guy is just too pure (laughs) we don't deserve him we have like the two biggest hearts in net this year we have yeah lankin is amazing like i remember this first game he played and he was doing the post game interviews i was like i like this kid i like this kid we need to keep him he's got confidence he's got swagger like this is what this team needs <laughs> like if, if you were to tell anyone a year ago that maybe goaltending might be their strongest strength going into the season I don't think anyone would have believed you no 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 I think certainly was... one of the better ones in the NHL I would say like at least top half and yeah, we talk about it like sure. Flurry doesn't need to be a 929 I don't think anyone's expecting him to but like even if he's just like a 913 912 that's what this team needs like because, I, I mean, our defense is not even close to Vegas, as even if everyone pans out, like yeah. just the way they play team defense. But I, I, we had a lot of guys this year that I think have a chip on their shoulder and have something to prove, and I think that can go a long way with the team. Because you got, like you said, Seth Jones has got a lot to prove. Marc-Andre Fleury basically got traded for nothing, so I, I feel like he's got and something got to prove. in this face pretty much by the <sighs> organization. It's continuing upset. Yeah. Like, Tyler Johnson probably has something to prove because he was in the bottom six the last couple years. You got guys like Gaudette who are finally going to be healthy. Like, I'm excited. There's just – there's a lot of interesting – like you said, there's a lot of interesting stories with this team going into the season. And it you got to think it's only positive, at least on the ice. So, like – I, we talked about it before. I'd expect maybe some struggles in October, obviously, because it's a new team and you got to build chemistry. But if they can start off strong in October, this is this could be a fun season. Because I feel like October, November is kind of the last few seasons. The Hawks start slow and then they have to catch up in like January, February. But if they could start strong this year, I, I think it could go a long way, especially in a wide open central division, I think. Yeah, no, you I, grow I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, we got a special cast. My cat is joining the show. <laughs> and we're trying, I'm trying not to get her to sit on the laptop. So, and accidentally on the Pierce, call, so. I've got Violet right next to me. She's been oh, in that yeah. chair the entire time oh. again. Yeah. yeah, she's like come in and out of my room like every like few minutes and like meowing. But yeah, uh, Jimmy, <laughs> I feel, you, man. J- sorry? She's checking up on you, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, how's, the, how's the podcast going? Like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. No, Jimmy, <laughs> yeah, I feel bad because, like, like, you haven't really been able to answer any, ask any questions. I just kind of want to oh, get the phone oh. to you now. Yeah. Uh, and no, maybe actually, Violet. Um, 20, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll see what she thinks. Maybe Apollo will come down or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's, my, uh, well, I was I was trying to get up a questions, and you guys had some great ones. Um, So I said today I was like, uh, whatever, let me try something new. I asked my dad, and he uh, – 
he had a ton of questions. I don't know how many I can get in here, but they're actually all stuff I would uh, love to know as well. I think we all would. So, um, and we covered some of this for sure. I mean, we've covered a lot here today. Um, but one thing that, yeah, we've all talked about this in the podcast too. Um, Scott, from what you've heard, um, just in general, do you, and I guess just from your own opinion, do you think or know or have any idea about Colleton and his defensive system? Because that's something that really hasn't worked with the defensemen they've had in the past. Granted, the defense they have now is much, much more mobile than last year. Simply getting rid of Keith, adding Jones, adding McCabe, it's already a much better, I'd say a much better defense. Well, especially in terms of skating and, uh, and such. Um, Do you think that he adapts at all with his system though? Do you think that changes? Because that's something we've seen in the past, at least uh, from my perspective, somewhat from ours and from a lot of fans is that he he seems a bit stubborn to change his, his uh, scheme to fit what he has. Do you think that in this third season now is his first or his second full season? uh, Well, his first actually be his first full season. Um, do you think that he's at this point maybe learned that he has to adapt to these sort of things? I think they've adapted at times. I, I think his principles stay the same. I, I think he's very, um, you know, he believes on the sort of the hybrid man. Um, you know, they call it the man and a half. I, I think that he's very, um, you know, like they, they adjust things sometimes where they'll bring a fourth forward down low. Um, they're, I mean, that's something that they struggled with two years ago and it really hampered the offense. Um, it, it certainly would have made sense to go to more zone or something more, you know, that fits Seabrook and Keith and, and Colleton, you know, he made the decision when he took over for Quinville that they, um, you know, this is the, this is the system that he believes in the system that he believes they can have success in. Um, you know, it's, it's not any different than, you know, than a lot of teams play. You certainly need the right players to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think he admitted after that first season that he didn't, think it was going to take as long as it did for some of those guys to to adjust to it and um you know for those guys to be under joel's system for so long it, it was a huge yeah. you know, the habits were, were different yeah. and um so with nine nine ten seasons they were with winville and now yeah, he so, yeah. Guy. so i i think i don't expect me i i think they i think he thinks that he finally has the people who fit the you know the personnel to fit the system and he's he's finally you know he finally believes um, that they, they can functionally run it, you know, like I, I think, uh, you know, like he, he's had a say in on all these guys for the most part, obviously Murphy was already here but Murphy's played well in that system, but for him to get, you know, rid of Keith and Seabrook and um, not necessarily that was his choice, but it, those guys didn't fit the system well. And, no, they didn't um, you know, like he, he obviously probably had some sort of say in Yoki Harwood being traded and Bocas being traded. Um, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily Stop think that here. he had something against Boquist. I, I think that they, they, they did question whether Boquist, you know, his stamina, whether that he was going to, um, you know, be a guy who can, you know, eat 20 minutes a game. So I, I think that he liked Boquist and then I, I think, you know, that he saw improvements in Boquist, but he also saw the upside of getting Seth Jones. And I, I think they think within the defensive zone that Seth Jones is going to better fit the system. Uh, again, I mean, I think a lot of systems too, you're trying to thwart you know, thwart the, the rush and, you know, keep someone from entering the zone. But I, I think that's going to be a challenge at times for this team still. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, I think he's pretty dead set on playing this system and this is a system that he wants to play. Um, and I'm sure he's excited to finally get the people that he, that he feels that fits it and can properly run it because um I, I think as much as the Blackhawks continue to run the same system and, and certainly their variations over the last couple of years, he knows the Blackhawks didn't like, it didn't look right. You know, like it's, it, it's funny. Like I was just, I was watching, um, I was watching, watching Mike Hardman clips or something uh, the last couple of days. As one and, usually does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was, it was most, mostly like, it was mostly from the last couple of games and it was just, uh, it, it was the defensive breakdowns are just embarrassing at times, you know, like it's just guys out of place. And it was, some of it was a lot of young defensemen, but it was also Zadorov who, uh, you know, I, I think the on the Black, Blackhawks best decisions was let Zadorov walk and hundred um, percent. And, and, you know, but yeah. Zadorov didn't fit the system. And no. um, now you find a guy like McCabe or something like that, maybe he fits it better. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, I'm also, I feel like Colleton, like a lot of people have made their, 
made their opinions known on Carlton. They're very set on what they think of Carlton in the system. I, I'm curious to see what it looks like when he has the players that should fit it. Because if it doesn't look right this year, then then something's it's obviously, last draw, yeah. obviously <laughs> wrong. You know, like yeah. it's but but it, but if you have proper defensemen and guys that that you believe fit your system and, and it works, then then yeah, like it, it yeah for sure. Then yeah. I think I think Ooh. I think it's 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 tough to judge because it's it, it's been. And, and 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 honestly, I mean, regardless of the system, and I, I don't think the Blackhawks are going to be any good the last few years, anyways. You know, like they we started seeing them trend. <laughs> yeah. You know, under Quinville, yeah. you started to see them even the zone start to trend negatively, yeah. and the numbers around the high danger chances. And um, it's a, it just I think people were more frustrated that the Blackhawks didn't. You know, Colleton wasn't willing to try something different and go somewhere different. But I I, I think the way that he saw it was that if we. Um, you know, like it, it, it. This is what I see. The envision. This is the way we get to become a championship caliber team. Um, and if we're just adjusting to fit our team, like that's, it only helps us in the short term and not the long term. So, um, their their long term long term philosophy was to get the right players in, and and now it's it's fair game. I, I think. Um, I think there's certainly been reasons to criticize Colleton the last few years and, and some of that's justified. I also think that uh, some of it's personnel based and, and then finally they have a team that's like, it's a legitimate NHL team now. Like you, you have, you still have some young players, but guys who have been in the NHL long enough, you have a lot of veteran defensemen. You, you finally have a number one defenseman uh, that you went out and acquired. You have some really good goaltending. I don't um, see any. Yeah. Like there's, there are a lot of reasons why the Blackhawks should, be competitive and they certainly yeah. the numbers and some of the analytics should, should line up with that you know like there, there, there's no reason why this team should be giving up 35 shots on goal you know like it's oh. it, it's mm. all, all the analytics should look better this year so I, that's so how i'm kind of that's how i'm approaching it this year yeah. is the numbers should start to add up to see what colleton believes in the system and believes in uh yeah believes why he's stuck with it so i i think that's another storyline too is that um, you know, like this is Carlton's first real season of having his own. It's his first full 82 game season. People think yeah, it's having, having, his own having his own guys is, is the, the big key, you know, like, again, I, I don't know what other coach, like certainly, um, you know, maybe another coach went you a few more games here and there the last few years, but um, I, I don't think that was a playoff team for, for anyone. No. So th- th- this no, should be a team no. that should compete for a playoff spot, whether it's Carlton or someone else. So I think, yes. I, I think yes. this year will be interesting to judge him on too. All I got to say on the defensive zone thing is I hope they get better, but every time I see Connor Murphy at the blue line, when they're trying to defend a point shot, it makes no sense to me. And they got a full in front of the net. I'm sorry. I, I get you. they play that man in a half system, but I feel like teams realize that and they just kind of drag the defensemen to the top. And then all of a sudden you have like, Alex Nylander covering freaking David Reeves like in front of the net. Yeah, they need the. You got to be really pick and choosy how how much you know. Like, if you're gonna chase someone out there, you better be communicating to someone to get you know cover that net or have a real purpose to why you're chasing someone. You know, above and that's where the breakdowns happen. I feel like because you'll see the goals get let up, and you'll see a defenseman at the top of the point, and then they'll just kind of be like, "What the hell happened? I thought someone was gonna pick this guy up." Or like you see it in three on three a lot too with the Hawks. They don't really. There's something with rotating that they just don't get in three on three over time because I see it all the time. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of teams are good at that yeah. too in the three. I, I think. I think a lot of stuff happens around the net where you have defensemen, uh, uh, just someone not guarding the front of the net. I think it happens along the boards and then certainly above the circles when you're chasing too far. It's just it, it's it's if you're gonna commit to. You know, if you're gonna, in this system, if you're gonna commit to someone along the boards or or, or underneath, you better you better have someone behind you that's going to protect you if you because because often you hit someone you may be the one chasing that guy then off the board so um you know if you're going to chase someone above the circles like you better have that protection underneath realizing that you're one of those guys that are expected to you know protect the net and you've taken yourself out of the play so i I think that's all you know like if you have the right defenseman that can chase and understand and um and i think the blackhawks are hopeful that some of these guys figure that understand that system better and are more effective at it so um, you know, and, and having, you know, like it also helps that I, I think a big part is having a center who can defend too. And, you know, if, if I, I think Doc understands college system pretty well, you know, Taves had some problems with it. Um, you know, you certainly saw some breakdowns with him around the net, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think Doc is a real key to, you know, playing those He's defensive minutes and, um, you know, like you, you have some other centers too, but you, you have a lot of guys who are very offensive, like Borgstrom and Strom. And um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think you really need someone that's a defensive center to carry some of those key minutes. And 
uh, in that system, they have to be such a key to sometimes, you know, fill in for the defenseman if they go chasing the play somewhere else. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I think they're, uh, I, again, on paper, I, I think it's a team that can play the system better. I mean, it's a system that other teams play variations of. There's no reason why man-to-man can't work. Um, it just, you, you have to know, understand the principles and know when you're risking things and whether it's worth, worth the risk. And, and I, and I think we've all seen enough in the years past where, uh, the Blackhawks often got exposed when taking those risks. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, again, I think that's another part that's going to make this season interesting. It's just, the, uh, you know, you've seen the same system and you've seen it run incorrectly now. Um, you know, we'll see if it's run correctly and, and what the difference is. We have some breaking news. The St. Louis Blues have signed uh, James Neal and former Blackhawk Michael Froelich to a PTO. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good. Going to play for the Czech Republic, Michael Froelich. You scared me. For, I thought I was going to have to run and go write a story. No, my dude, the Hawks just pick up. You're saying you don't? <laughs> Build up the suspense. Yeah. Come on, man. Luckily, luckily uh, the athletic have someone to cover the blues, and I don't have to worry about the Michael Froelich stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Froelich's been everywhere the last few years. He's in Buffalo, he's in Montreal. He's getting he emails now. Oh, man. <laughs> um, like, he, like you said with Doc, he's the biggest key this season, in my opinion. Like, obviously, Seth Jones bouncing back needs to happen, but if Doc can't take that step and they have to lean heavy on Taves again, that just is not going to help the forward core at all. I think if I think if this team's going to be a playoff team, Doc's going to have to be able to play 20 a night, which I think he can, but he's going to have to take all those tough assignments too because it that's the only way this team gets better in my eyes. If you have two legitimate centers to – group with all these wingers that they have and i think doc can do it it's just you know i do too health and he's never really gotten the chance yet but when he's shown it he can do it so i'm just i'm very intrigued to see where this goes this year because i think all click so well that's that's the thing this this, this crazy thing is it's not that crazy It, it really isn't like doc could i think the only one that i'm not very sure of would still be Jones, but Doc could definitely take his big step. He's primed to do it. Taves, like you said, you know, maybe not primed to be a star yet again, but he's definitely got all the rest. The second line center, second hopefully. line shutdown center. If you need that guy, we looked at, uh, was it Ben Pope said his X factor, Adam God, that guy threw on 20 pounds and got past like a uh, complete, like what was it? He had exactly immune disorder. Yeah. That had, whole yeah, Canucks something. team had COVID issues. Like, it was just yeah. Awful. So, he gained 20 pounds. Like, apparently, it was like the biggest, like the biggest amount of weight he's put on ever. He gets past this immune thing, um, or whatever it was. I, I'm paraphrasing. It was a stomach virus. Um, or something. You got Mark Andre Fleury and that Alex DeBrinket's taking another step. It's not crazy for a lot of these things to work out. It, it's funny. It kind of all revolves around Seth Jones. I think that's why that's the big topic is because he's so unknown compared to everything else. Everything else is re- set rather well. Set up at least very well for success, but Seth Jones is such a wild card compared to the rest of this. It, it, it always ends up with him. It always ends up with him. Because, I mean, if the Blackhawks aren't good, you are going to hear a lot of critics this year because no one wants to talk about it, but if the Hawks aren't good, they don't have their first-round pick, and I don't think anyone That's, talks about that. Oh, that, we're going to talk. Oh, it will be talked like, about. I think it. everyone with the Seth Jones trade was fine up until that second first-round pick. That's the one that set me over the edge because yeah, I was like, all right, too. they're going to yeah. have to give up Boquist. I, I kind of parted with that mentally. The 13th or the 12th overall pick, I was like, okay, that's fine. But then when they gave up that next year's first, I was like, all right. They can't fall back on it. They have to make the playoffs. You doubled down at that point, in my opinion. Didn't they trade a second-round pick as well? Yeah. No, that that was a 2021, though. It's still a second, though. It was the better one of their two seconds, too. Like, they really went all in. And it's just – Either Bowman's going to look like a mad genius or he's going to have a lot of fingers pointing at him to get fired because yeah. he made a lot of moves that are either going to sink or swim this franchise for the next three years. We should just get rid of him anyways. That'd be nice. Let's do that. <sighs> fantastic. I feel His like jobs. with Seth Jones that I was kind of like reading into stuff like why maybe as to why Seth Jones was struggling and ever since guys like Panarin, like when Columbus went in all in that year, getting guys like Panarin and 
like and like Duchesne and all that stuff. Um, they kind of dropped off. Like they didn't have the offense and they played a more defensive system. And when Seth Jones was like in 2017, 18, and even 2018, 19, he had all these offensive weapons to work with and he hasn't had that since. And that's kind of when he's dropped off. So I'm wondering in Chicago where he kind of gets to roam free. He's probably going to play with the Han who's going to play defense more. And he gets to pass the puck up to guys like Patrick and Alex to bring Kate Kirby Doc and so on. He's going to be on the top yeah. power play. So I think from that aspect, I think he's going to prove it. it's just a matter if he can even defense. play like average defense. I'm not expecting to be like uh, Nick Dalmerson, but like just to even, dude. just Completely. to even be like average defensively. And I think that's the big question. Like no doubt he can put up the offense. I'm confident he's probably going to get like 45, 50 points. But hey, Pierce. Yeah. You know, I have a picture of Squidward, like all like shaken up, and he's holding that note, just like falling apart. That's us talking about Seth Jones every yeah. episode. <laughs> I guess it, so. Yeah, <laughs> it, I, I've, I've like, uh, what's it like? The stages of grief. I'm at acceptance at this point. It's but, whatever. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I lost think I'm my honestly at the end of it because I'm just ago. like, <laughs> I, here's the thing. I used to be the biggest Seth Jones supporter, biggest, biggest Seth Jones fan. I thought he was like top three at least, and you know he, and then he has these two drop off seasons and you look at his analytics and Alex he wasn't Gober. as great. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, obviously I'm not trying to beat that guy. I'm not, <laughs> but it does say something. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean like it's, I think we're just kind of at the point where, and we were talking about today, Scott, um, we're just kind of waiting for the, it's like, let's just see them play. Get yeah, on the ice. Sure. I mean, yeah, we're at the point everything's happened. We just need that to happen now. It's going to be so fun to watch this team play. Like, honestly, I don't like, – I'm sorry. I don't think that there's any way that they're as bad as they were last season or even close to it. There's no way. Yeah. And they were I competitive last year for, like, the I, first I think, half. I think they're going to be a fun team to watch no matter what. I, I really don't think there's no way they're not going to be a fun team to watch. And I don't be think fun, they'll, they'll be, be hilariously bad, which is nice. I don't <laughs> think they'll be so bad that I can't enjoy it. it it's – it, the worst case scenario, I think they're a couple spots outside the bubble, uh, you know, wild card bubble. Let's not yeah, talk yeah. about COVID ever again. But the West is wide open this year. That's the best part. I think that's mm-hmm. maybe why Bowman. Colorado, Vegas, and who? Who else? I can make a stupid trade. <laughs> I can afford it. I mean, no. it's. I mean, it's just his. Like, I can't even be mad at Bowman this offseason because yeah, this Jones. Oh, um, I can. Fleece <laughs> for Mark Andre Fleury. Flipped Seabrook's cap space into getting a legitimate third liner in Tyler Johnson, which and a is something they desperately pick. needed. Yeah, and a second round pick. That's I true. mean, the McCabe signing's great. I, the Hagel extension is great. Um, maybe keep letting Suger go maybe wasn't the best in some people's eyes, but honestly, when you get Johnson, I feel like that's they have so many out. centers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not going to break this team. No. But like we said, everything hones in on everything Jones hinges trade. on Jones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like we're just going in circles. It always right it always comes back to Seth Jones, no matter what. So uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't know if you guys have any more uh, question to ask, ask, but uh, I think I we can think end so. this off here. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Scott, no for, for having us. Yeah, um, yeah, I just have to ask you: Do I have permission to name this podcast "Great Scott"? <laughs> Scott's thoughts. Scott's thoughts. Scott's thoughts. That works too. Scott's pods. You know, I want to do that. That's a good one. Jimmy. Scott's oh, pods. Man. No, Scott's pods. There you go. Scott's pods. Okay, yeah. Let's let's uh let's go with that. So uh, once again, Scott, thank you for coming no on. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. It's have a fun this season. Thank you. It's always a All pleasure right. to have you, you on, too. and have a good one, man. You too. Take care. Yeah.